but you know, as we celebrate this today, as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, we have to remember that 2,000 years ago, this was a dark time for the followers of Jesus. The world had just fallen apart. The man who claimed to be their Messiah had just been killed on the cross. They left their jobs, they left their families, they left their livelihoods to follow this man who claimed to be the Messiah, who was to usher in his kingdom. And for the past three years, Jesus was the one who protected them from the persecution of the religious leaders. All of their dreams were shattered. Why? Because the person that they placed their hope on, they placed their future on, was killed. And this was something that they never saw coming. It was a dark time for them. But they were going to find out that their lives were going to change forever because Jesus did rise from the dead, proving that he was who he claimed he was, that he was the Son of God. And so what's your situation here today? Some of you today might be coming in that same period between Friday and Sunday where the Savior was killed. You're looking at your life, and life is not going the way you thought. You had all of these plans and dreams, and yet for whatever reason, they are not being realized. Maybe you're a parent, and then you had your dream for your children, and you're, 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 you're not seeing these dreams realized. You know, as, as you look into the future, you know, you don't have hope, but you, you see fear or trepidation because you don't know what the future will bring. But today is a day of hope. Today is a day of Christ's resurrection, that no matter what your situation is, no matter how dark your world is, that was just between Friday and Sunday. Today, Jesus rose. And today, we have hope. And the reason we celebrate Easter, because this is the most important event in the Christian faith. And for the most important event in the history of the world. And I know we celebrate Christmas. You know, Christmas gets the big hype. But Easter, Easter is the most important event in the Christian faith. Because if the resurrection didn't occur, our faith is useless. You know, the resurrection is the foundation of the Christian faith. And without the resurrection, our faith just completely falls apart. So let's go back to that Sunday morning. And if you have your Bibles, can you turn with me to Mark? And we're going to start with chapter 16, verse 1. It said, When the Sabbath had passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who, rolled, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? See, these women were going to the tomb to prepare Jesus' body, to bring spices, to prevent that stench that would occur with a dead body. But they were, they were expecting to see a dead body. They weren't expecting to see an empty tomb. 
And they're saying, who is going to roll away this stone or this boulder that was placed in front of the tomb? See, Jesus said that he was going to die and that he, in three days that he was going to rise again. And this so feared and scared the religious leaders that they believed if this actually happened, that people would follow Jesus. And they believed that the disciples would go into the tomb, take Jesus' body, and tell everybody, see, his body's not here, he's been risen. And they didn't want that to happen. So what did they do? They asked the Romans to place a huge boulder in front of the tomb to make sure that no one could go in and no one could go out. They were expecting to see a dead body, not a risen Lord. And as they were going to the tomb, they were probably pondering the possibility of who was this Jesus? Who was this man that really, that we gave everything to follow. Even though they didn't know it, they were probably pondering C.S. Lewis's trilemma. Now, he didn't come up with this, but he made this popular. And if you could see this on the screen, and as you read of Scripture, right, and you you hear and read about Jesus' claims about himself, there are only three conclusions that we could come to when it comes to who Jesus is, okay? Either Jesus is a liar, Jesus was a lunatic, or Jesus was the Lord. As we read scripture, there are no other options. So some of you might be coming here today and asking, who is this Jesus? Well, according to uh, C.S. Lewis's trilemma, these are the three conclusions that we have to come um, to when we read Scripture and we study and we see the claims that Jesus made about himself. So the first question as we read Scripture and we see about the claims that Jesus made about himself is, was he a liar? Was he a liar? Did the claims that he made about himself, were they false? And did he know that they were false? And did he tell us anyway, thus deceiving us? John fourteen six says, Jesus answered and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, many people have problems with Christianity because they view it as very narrow-minded in regards to who gets to enter into heaven, right? But according to this passage, Jesus answered and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. So what he's saying here is there are no other ways to God, meaning there are no other religions that lead to the God uh, that that we believe in, okay? The God who created the heavens and the earth. The God who is a God who sustains this world in the universe, the almighty Alpha and Omega. He said there are no religions that lead to this God. And he said there are, you can't get there by your good works. So many times we try to um, come to God based on our good works. 
nor can we uh, um, get to heaven based upon doing religious activity. But what Jesus is saying here, it's only through faith in him and him alone. And this is one of the claims that he makes. So the question is, was he the liar? You know, if he's not the Lord... If he's not the son of God, we have to conclude then that he is a liar, that that he's a con man, that he's trying to get people to switch from their beliefs to believe him. Therefore, if Jesus isn't the son of God, and he made many claims about himself, I don't have time to go through all of them. This claim means that he was a liar if he isn't the son of God. You know, Josh McDowell says, but how could Jesus as a liar, a con man, an evil person, or one who's foolish, leave us with the most profound moral instruction and the most powerful moral example in history? Could a deceiver or an imposter of monstrous proportions teach such unselfish ethical truths and live in such a morally exemplary life The way Jesus did, the very notion is incredible. That when we take a look at the life that Jesus led, the things that he said, the truths about God and the way he lived, the way he taught us to care about others and how he lived selflessly, it's hard to come to the conclusion that he was a liar. Okay, so if Jesus are making this claim and he wasn't a liar, well, then he must be a lunatic. You know, he must be insane. You know, if Jesus' claims are false and he didn't know that they were false and he believe, actually believed them to be true, then he was deluded then he was deluded. And it says, a measure of your insanity is the size of the gap between what you think you are and who you really are. Let me repeat that. The measure of insanity is the size of the gap between between what you think you are and who you really are. If I go tell you that, you know what? I believe that I am the best pastor in the United States. Right? You know, at least I got one woo, so thank you very much. Right? But the majority of you would think I'm just an arrogant fool. Right? If I really believe that I'm the best pastor in the United States. You know, Marco said that I'm the best speaker in our conference. Thank you, Marco, but, you know, that's not true. There are other pastors in a conference that are much better preachers than me. But if I really believed that about myself, then I would just be arrogant. But what if, what if I came to you this morning and said, you know, as I was studying scriptures and as I was preparing for this Easter message, I had an epiphany. And that epiphany was that I am the son of God. That when you come here on Sunday morning, you're not supposed to worship Jesus. You're supposed to worship me. Now, what if, yeah, what, what if I came and said that, right? <laughs> the gap between who I think I am, which is God, and who I really am is just infinite, right? So you think, 
man, who is this guy? He is totally insane to think that he is God and that we should worship him. Let's go to Mark fourteen sixty one. Now, this is when Jesus um, was being called before the religious leaders, right before he was going to be sent to the cross. All right? And so they're grilling him. They're trying to catch him in a lie. They're trying to have Jesus reveal his hand so they could find an excuse to put him to death. And it says here, but he remained silent and made no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? Are you the Christ, or he said, Are you the Son of God? Which would be equating him to God. And Jesus says, I am. Right there, Jesus claimed to be the Son of God, who he claimed to be God himself. It says, and when you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming uh, with clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his garments and said, what further witnesses do we need? You have heard his blasphemy, meaning people attributing themselves to God. What is your decision? And they all condemned him as deserving death. Jesus claimed that he was God. They viewed him as just a man. They viewed him as a a liar who are trying to um, have people switch their beliefs in the law and to put their faith in him. They saw Jesus as a threat to their religion and for three years they were trying to put him to death. And finally, finally, they had the reason to put him to the death. Why? Because he claimed to be God. And blasphemy was punishable by death. Once again, Josh McDowell says, There is more than a small difference between sincerely believing something that is wrong and believing about yourself that you are the unique divine son of God. The idea that Jesus was self-deceived or delusional in regard is simply not compatible with the impression that he has left on history. When you take a look back, you know, whether you believe Jesus is the son of God or not, there have been hundreds and hundreds of millions of people who have followed Christ and that just doesn't seem possible that these people from different eras in history, from different ethnic backgrounds, from different countries, would all follow Jesus if he was a lunatic. Even those who believe in Jesus, who don't believe in Jesus, maybe you right here, you know, don't believe in him as the Son of God. However, There's something from history or from what you have learned or what people said that you don't put him in that category of a lunatic. So what Josh McDowell is saying, it doesn't seem plausible that so many people from so many different countries, cultures, and time, you know, eras in time would follow a man that they thought was a lunatic. So if Jesus wasn't a liar, 
If Jesus wasn't a lunatic, then we only have one conclusion that we could make about Jesus regarding the claims that he made about himself. And the question is, is Jesus Lord then? Is Jesus Lord? Is Jesus the Son of God that he claimed to be? Matthew um, chapter 16, 13 says, Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, well, who do people say the Son of Man is? He's asking disciples, hey, guys, you've been out there. Who, do, who are people saying that I am? And they responded, and they said, so, well, some say that you're John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And then he looked at them and he asked them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Jesus asked them, who do you think I am? And what, what was Peter's response? He goes, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And what did Jesus say? He said, you know, Simon, you're blessed. Because you could not come to that conclusion on your own. You could not come to that conclusion based upon your humanity. However, the God in heaven... Revealed that to you, that I am the Son of God. Right? And this is why the resurrection is so important, because the resurrection validates all that Christ said about himself. You know, Mark 8:31 says, and he began. T- <laughs> And excuse me, um, yeah, he says, and he began to teach him that the Son of Man must suffer all of these things and would be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. Jesus was teaching this, that after three days that he was going to be killed and that he was going to rise three days after that. Who is crazy enough to teach this? Would any one of you teach that? That, you know, you're going to be killed and in three days you're going to be resurrected? No founder of any religion has ever made this claim. And it was never verified that they are still living. Okay? Jesus Christ is the only founder of any religion that made this claim. The number one, that he would be killed, and number two, that he would rise on the third day and that he would live again. That we do not worship some bones in this grave somewhere. That when the women came, they saw an empty tomb. That the angel had rolled away from the rolled away that stone and when they came the tomb was empty that Jesus was resurrected and he asked why are you looking for the living among the dead saying that Jesus was not dead that Jesus was indeed living 
The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 14, And if Christ had not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. What he's saying here, if the resurrection did, didn't happen, then pretty much your faith is useless. If Jesus Christ didn't rise today, every, you know, all of us who came today to worship, he was saying, it's just worthless. Your faith is worthless. But then he says also in 1 Corinthians 15.3, Apostle Paul says, For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance to Scripture, and that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, or, or Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some had fallen asleep. Now it's amazing that Paul had written this only about 20 years after Jesus is crucified. And what he is saying, he's saying that I want to tell you this, and this is important, that Jesus did indeed rise from the grave. That yes, he was crucified, but he was risen. He was resurrected. And what he said is, you know, there are 500 brothers who saw that. And you know, he's saying, if you don't believe me, if you don't believe me, that was only 20 years ago. You know, many of them are still alive. Ask them. And they will tell you that Jesus was alive. You know, it says, Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. Last of all, as one untimely born, he appeared to me also. This was, he appeared to the Apostle Paul. Now, Apostle Paul was fanatical about persecuting and killing Christians. Why? Because he thought they were teaching heresy. He thought they were teaching blasphemy. And he was a Jewish religious leader. He hated Christians. He thought everything they believed was a lie. And he didn't want that spread. So he was going out and he was killing Christians. And he was persecuting Christians. And that's what he thought about Jesus Christ until, until he encountered Jesus Christ in person. And he said that Jesus Christ indeed, indeed did rise from the dead because I myself saw and heard Jesus. Jesus' resurrection proved that he wasn't a liar or that he wasn't a lunatic, that he is truly the son of God and all of the claims that he made about himself and all of the promises that he made when he was here on earth and the ways in which we should love each other and live our lives, they are all true. For those of you here who are trying to decide, is Jesus Christ really the Lord or is he the Son of God? You know, I've got one promise from you. There's a lot of promises that um, Jesus made. But this one 
is in particular importance to you. And I know that you've probably already heard this one. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not save, send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes to the Father except through me. If Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and if he made this promise to each one of us, why did Jesus come? He did, God didn't come to this earth to condemn us. Because so many people, when they come to church, they, they expect to hear, like, this God is an angry God, just waiting to punish people. That's not the God of the Bible. What did Jesus say? He came to save, not to condemn. He came to forgive our sins. As teacher Serena said in her lesson to the children, it's interesting on Good Friday you see this cross there and you'll see pieces of paper on there. And what we had people do is we had people say, you know, what are some of the sins or mistakes that, you know, you've done maybe just recently that you want to ask God to forgive you for. They wrote them on a piece of paper. They folded them and they nailed them to the cross. But the beauty of all of those notes is that God has forgiven all of that. Every mistake that the people wrote, that when they nailed them to the cross, God has forgiven them. God has forgiven our sins past, present, and future. And give us, given us a hope that he says, you know what? If you believe in me, you shall have eternal life. You will have eternal life. That after this life, there awaits a heaven for you. And it's not based upon your religious works. It's not based upon your goodness. Because God knows that we've messed up, Right? He knows that. You know, so many people are afraid to come to church because, oh, those are the good people. And you know what? You know, I I don't belong in church. Look at what I've done. It's exactly the opposite. Jesus loves you. And Jesus died on that cross to let you know how much he loved you. That every sin that you could post on that cross, he said, you know what? I forgave you. I forgave you. You could live with a clean conscience. I don't want you to live a life of guilt. That's why I died for for you. He gave to give you eternal life. He gave you hope that as he rose from the grave, as he was resurrected, he promised that we too, for those of us who believe in him, will be resurrected. All other religions said you have to do your work. You have to do all these things in order to get to heaven. Christianity is the only religion that says, you know what Jesus says, I'm going to take you as you are. You don't have to do anything to come to me. I did all the work on the cross. All you have to do is believe that I am not a liar, that I am not a lunatic, that I am the son of God. That I came to this earth. That I died for your sins. So that you might be saved. And believe in that. And trust in Jesus 
for your salvation, not your good works. And that's what gives us hope. Because I don't have to worry about if I die, where am I going to be? I'm going to be in heaven. I don't have to worry about, you know, what's going to happen with my wife. She's a believer. We're going to be reunited in heaven. I don't have to worry about my son, Michael. What's going to happen? Why? Because he has faith in Jesus Christ. And that one day, we are going to be a family in heaven. So whether I die today, tomorrow, 20 years from now, it really doesn't matter. Because I'm going to be in heaven for all eternity. Why? Because Jesus, who was the Son of God, made me that promise. And that promise is not just to me. That promise is for each one of us. And finally, if Jesus wasn't a liar, a lunatic, but indeed he was the Son of God, if you're a believer, if you're a believer, what does that mean for you? Matthew twenty-eight eighteen. And I know that you're all who believe are probably familiar with this. And Jesus came to them. And this is after he'd been resurrected. And right before he was going to go back to heaven. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And we call this the Great Commission. Where Jesus is saying, okay, if you want to be my disciples, these are your marching orders. However, then we come to the next part. And behold. Some of your Bibles say, and lo. Basically what Jesus is saying, yeah, I just told you what I want you to do, but now I want you to listen up here. Pay attention. Because this is the most important part of what I'm about to tell you. He says, listen up. And he says, what? I am with you always to the end of the age. When we take a look at the Great Commission, what is the most important part of that? It's this last part. Because this is the part that Jesus emphasized. And he says, I am with you always to the end of the age. Many of you believers here might be discouraged. Maybe things aren't going your way. And you're living between Friday and Sunday. And that's the way you see your life. Right? I'm just living my life between Friday and Sunday. But what does this passage say? That Jesus was resurrected. That you will never live between Friday and Sunday. Why? Because Jesus says that I am with you always to the end of the age. You are not alone. You will never be alone because of the resurrection. And so as believers in Jesus Christ, we should never have the attitude that we are living between Friday and Sunday. Because somebody give me an amen there. Because this is important. Because Jesus said, I am with you always. Always, you will never, ever be alone. And Jesus says, I love you. Amen. But even though he said, you know, things might not be turning out the way you want. But Jesus promises, Jesus promises that in the end, we win.
in the end, there is heaven, right? Jesus is with us always. So for those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, there is no Friday to Sunday with us. There's only the resurrection, that Jesus is living, and he is with us always. So who is Jesus of Nazareth? Your response must not be an idle intellectual exercise. You cannot put him on the shelf as a great moral teacher. Jesus never claimed to be a great moral teacher. He never said that about himself. So we can't just say that Jesus is a great moral teacher because he never claimed to be. That is not a valid option. Either he is a liar, he is a lunatic, or he is the Lord. You must make a choice. But, as the Apostle John wrote, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John wrote this book, the, uh, the Gospel of John. Why? To show you that Jesus wasn't a liar. To show you that Jesus wasn't a lunatic. That Jesus was the Son of God. And that believing in him, you shall have life. And so that's the challenge I give to each one of you today. As you leave here and you ponder who Jesus is. Was he a liar? Was he a lunatic? Or was he truly the son of God who offers eternal life? Let's pray. And worship team, please come forward. You know, there are those of you who are here today who've been thinking about this for a while. And you're kind of sitting on the fence, not knowing what to believe. And really, as we study the scriptures, Jesus really doesn't give us many options. He only gives us three. That he, either that he lied about everything he said, or that he believed the things that he said, but he didn't know that they were true, making him a lunatic. Or indeed, he was the son of God who said that belief in him leads to eternal life and the forgiveness of sins. And that's that person and that God who will take away your sins and your guilt so you don't have to live with it. To be loved by a God like you've never been loved before. To be accepted by God with no conditions. If this morning that you have come to the conclusion that Jesus is God and you want to place your faith in him, just say the simple prayer with me. Dear God, I realized in the past that I've made a lot of mistakes, that I am a sinner, I'm not perfect. 
and I did miss your mark of perfection. And I believe that you loved me. You've loved me so much that you sent your son Jesus, who I believe is the son of God, to die on the cross to pay for my sins, that none of my good works would ever measure up. And that belief in your son Jesus Christ's death will lead to my eternal life. And I believe that you rose again, validating everything that you said. And I choose from this day forward to start a new life as your disciple, to learn to live the life that you want us to live, to have that hope that one day, Father, I will be with you in heaven, that I don't have to fear death anymore, that I don't have to live with guilt because you have forgiven all of my sins, past, present, and future. If you believe in that, just tell God that. And then after this service, please come talk to me or Pastor Mako because that's a part of your decision. Where Jesus says that if you publicly declare him to the world that he would publicly declare that we are his children. And so that's an important step. But God, I thank you so much that you rose from the dead, that you are living. And because you are living, that validated every promise that you made to us. And Father, for those of us who are struggling right now, I pray that you encourage them to let them know that as believers that there is never a time that we live between Friday and Sunday. That every single day that we live is a post-resurrection day because you promised that you would be with us always to the end of the earth, to the end of this age. And that there is nothing, nothing to fear because you are with us. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you weren't a liar, that you weren't a lunatic, but, Father, that, Jesus, you are the Son of God. And we could never repay you for the debt that you paid for us on the cross. All we could say is just thank you and worship you with the way we live our lives. And, Father, may you be blessed and glorified throughout this world as all those who claim to be your disciple praise you and worship you for resurrecting your son Jesus Christ proving that indeed he is the son of God in your son's name I pray amen